Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, onto the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, kind of. This is like, I guess, like a side story version of the podcast where this we actually is... go back and just kind of revisit our own things that we've uh, done and the people that we've talked to and the interviews that we've had. Mm-hmm. This is our mini series of yeah. re reassessing, reevaluating our own deconstruction and our own journey really over the past year. Yeah, and this is the third episode of that. So if you haven't heard the first two and you enjoy this, go back and listen to those. I we had a lot of fun, so I think <laughs> it was I think they are valuable. And I, I definitely agree. valuable to be able to look back on it all. For sure. And today we're reviewing our episode with Linda K. Klein. And that episode was called Recovering from Purity Culture. So it'll be interesting to, to hear how how it is that we uh, we recover. See if we've done any of that, any of that <laughs> homework over the past year. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, so I actually grew up in the Midwest. I live in New York City now, but I grew up in the Midwest. And when I was in seventh grade, I joined an evangelical church in my community after having a pretty powerful born-again experience. And that was utterly, you know, a a life-changing moment for me. You know, I really really, um, believed in sort of death to the old self and the beginning of a new way of being, a new community, a new sense of how we could create a better world, quite frankly. Like I loved, I loved so much about what I was learning about radical, you know, um, inclusion and, you know, how we needed to treat each other. And, you know, then what ended up happening is that I started to grow a little bit older and Mm -hmm. all of the ways in which I experienced what I perceived as unconditional love became revealed as deeply conditional, which Mm. helped me to start to see that so many other people, you know, were receiving conditional love. I think one important thing to note just on that little blurb right there about conditional love is conditional love doesn't always come from the external either. A lot of it does end up coming from internal stories that you tell yourself when you're brought up in a place that teaches you things like purity culture did. Mm. And how reliant your your acceptance into heaven or or even into the community of the church is on your ability to meet a certain set of standards. Yeah. I think the first thing that really started to happen is my body started to develop. Mm. And I had, you know, more fleshiness. And I'm also very 
uh, friendly. And so I was talking to everyone, including the boys, which was definitely sexualized and perceived as flirtation. Yeah. And, and I was like kind of fashion conscious. So <laughs> I was, I was wearing, I was wearing the clothes that my public school friends were wearing, right. right? Mm-hmm. Which was deemed, uh, absolutely, um, threatening within right. my evangelical context. So I was, as I grew older, the more that, the more that I, my personality was revealed and my body was revealed, the more that I was pulled aside and told that I was a stumbling block for the men and the boys in the youth group. And I remember just feeling like it didn't matter what I did at a certain point. You yeah. know, it was almost like every day there was some new way in which I was wrong and I was bad. And it started to feel like, you know, that that was sort of the the, the choice I had. It was me, you know, my selfhood, right. <laughs> um, or losing me, you know, in order to belong within this community. It's interesting. Um, something that I was taught mm, all of my life <laughs> was that, you know, I, I've spoken about how um, I felt like martyrdom was closest to, to holiness, right? Yeah. And I remember hearing and um, receiving the message that the the closer you are to God, the more you have to repent for. Mm, because then the more you notice about yourself because mm-hmm. you're just blind to your own. The more you learn how dirty you are, right. the closer to God, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, but that what's what's crazy is that that's, I mean, that truly was my theology. Yeah, and that. But also at the same time, that vernacular is just so damaging because there is no closer or further from God. Oh, right. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, there isn't, and we're we're sort of we're taught that in evangelicalism and in conservative Christianity, but at the same time, that's not like actions speak louder than words in that. And it, but it's still words, I guess when the message is, yeah, but like, don't you know, such and such, such and such, they're like so holy and so whatever. And what makes them so holy? Oh, well they have, you know, this extended quiet time where they just see how, how all the things that they do are selfish and the closer to God they get, the more they have to repent about. I mean, that truly was the message. And yeah, that's messed up. Well, I mean, it almost created a competitive nature out of self-deprecation. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yes. Which I mean, uh, and not necessarily just in conservative Christianity, but and not necessarily just in the States, but that's something that's very prevalent with, the community and the culture that we grew up here with in the States is everything yeah. kind of needs to become a competition of some kind. Yeah. And within that Christian culture, for me, that competition was, was exactly that. It's yeah. a good way to put it. In a way, I kind of did things right, you know, in quote unquote right, because I waited to have intercourse. But at the mm-hmm. same time, there's still so much that I am mentally still struggling with because my whole relationship with God, my whole life, because I, I started puberty when I was like nine. So I, sexuality to me became very real to me very early on. Um, and so my whole life, um, I was just like a sexual person. And so that was like my relationship with God was like me basically being like, I, Hey God, what's up? I'm sorry. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, how you yeah. doing? It's me. I'm sorry. I'll see you again later when I do this again, <laughs> like when I'm saying sorry again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, there were some good moments, you know, I'd be in worship and it was great. But the premise of my relationship with God was based around my sexual sins, quote unquote. Um, and yeah. so I always thought that, you know, getting married would fix that, that side. I'd be like, okay, after that, I'm like, wipe my hands and I'm like clean, ready to go. I can like <laughs> finally be just like free from yeah. these, I don't know, the the thoughts and just that that being my relationship with God. And um and it doesn't just go away like a flip. Like it doesn't like a switch. It doesn't just that doesn't just go away because your body and your brain is just trained. And my relationship yeah. with God was completely based off of that. So then without that now being married and having sex, like now I question what is my relationship with God? And I'm all, I almost have a starting over because I don't mm. even know who God is when mm. it comes to me without my wow. s- sexual uh, condemnation, I guess. In the beginning, you're talking about like your boyfriend, Dean, and how it felt so good. So obviously... You were like, then obviously it's wrong. Like there right. must be something bad here. And like that obviously can happen and has happened in so many people's like lives. But I I kind of had like a, an opposite situation where <clears throat> I, before Adam, my lovely, amazing husband, before him, I I did settle a lot because I knew that if it didn't feel great, then it was probably good (laughs) Mm. I was like well this isn't this isn't wonderful this isn't a fairy tale this is just settling or like this is just it's just average so therefore this is like what I meant for like that's what my life is supposed to be because happiness was was wrong like true like joy happiness like fulfillment somehow had to be wrong so like most of my life was just me settling and not just like I mean that obviously correlated not just my relationships, but in so many things in my life where I just like settled because good things, great things were somehow made to be bad. Right. Well, because you can't possibly be a good Christian who is, you know, suffering well, if you're not suffering. Mm. Right. (laughs) Right. You can't, you can't prove, you can't prove what an excellent, you know, Christian you are right if your life is beautiful and and be- and and beauty you know we are we are told that Satan is the prince of lies right so you know so pleasure is often you know often deemed as a lie selfishness yeah, yeah selfishness or self-focus or pride or sin or you know whatever it is because yeah it's indicative it's indicative of you're getting a little too much out of life, which, which must mean that you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And that's very common. Or pleasure is at the very least fleeting. Yeah. And that goes into the whole happiness versus joy thing that I had going on forever that I thought they were different things, which really what I was confusing was peace. You know, you have, you have some sort of like knowing and settled feeling in your body when, when, possibly the future is unknown. Right. That's that's peace. Yeah. Which I thought 
And what I was taught and what I heard was that 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 was joy. So that like joy was something that you always have if you're a good Christian. And you don't have to be happy to have joy. Yeah, but you don't have to be happy. But like, yes, you yes, you do. That's what joy is. And yeah. you don't always have to have joy. <laughs> like, you, right. I don't it's not something I don't know. I don't know if that's in the Bible that you're supposed to always have joy. Honestly, I don't even know. But I feel right. like I really, I really missed the mark there in a lot of my life thinking that joy didn't equal happiness. And that was one of the biggest things that brought on this unraveling for you. Yep. It is the thing because... Because you literally were like... If, I'm going to be happy. If being happy is wrong, then... I'm happy being wrong. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Which I think I've said in other episodes, but like it's just it's important enough. It's It was my turning point. Yeah. And I think that is for a lot of people that like you're told that that joy is good enough. And so you're never... That, that peace essentially is good enough. Well, right. I mean, right. I, I think that's the truth of it is peace yeah. is good enough. But I think there's so many people that misconstrue that and tell you that joy is the best happiness that you can ever have. So there's no point in seeking out happiness. Yeah. And so that leads into that martyrdom yeah. where you're just sitting and you're like, well, I'm not happy, but I'm joyful, I guess, because it's something that I feel. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Right. Right. And that'll so you that'll have get me peace through. And you think it's joy. And so because you have peace, you never seek out happiness. Well, just like think about joy, like replace the word joy with happiness. Like the joy of the Lord, like happiness of the Lord, like happiness of God, like righteous happiness, ha- happy, being happy is your strength. Yeah. Like that's exactly what I want to hear. And cue Joe Lumen interview where we talk exactly. about that you're failing if you're not bringing joy of life into your deconstruction and your fight for reconciliation. I, I hear so many different stories of leaving the church. You know, people leave the church and they're they can still keep like their happy and their faith and their Christian, you know, I, ideology. Was that the same for you or was it something like you had to walk away entirely and come back? What was what was your mm. relationship with with God or Jesus or anything like that in the process of you walking away from the evangelical church? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I think I was very confused about who God was for me now as well. And, you know, I had really learned that there was only one form of Christianity Um, and that was evangelical Christianity and that all other claims of Christianity were false. Um, and therefore when I left evangelicalism, I, I really, I really saw it as leaving Christianity, Yeah, you know? Right. And, and then, and then there there was this question of like, what about God? Right. Right. Does God live outside of Christianity? Yep. And, you know, for about six months or so, I remember, you know, I still very much felt God and, you know, I was a, I was a, you know, a pray your way through the day kind of person, right? Yes. So I was sort of in constant conversation with God. And so I still had this desire to, to reach out to God, right? Yeah. And, and I remember resisting that and being like, no, you're not allowed to do this anymore. I'm, I'm sorry, God, but I'm not allowed to talk to you because, 
because I've been told that now, you know, I am outside of the realm of like those who get to access you, right? Yeah. And uh, so still talking to God, but in this like, no, I will not not answer your phone calls. (laughs) Yes. I totally relate to that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think, you know, the relationship with God came back way before the relationship with Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, one of the things that I was doing when I was really, when, after I had left um, Christianity and I would say again, left Christianity um, was, was studying Christianity. So I started to, you know, I was still had a relationship with it, but it was a different kind of relationship. The meditation that people experience in church, the meditation that is singing songs, you know, and particularly within an evangelical context mm. where you're singing the same words, you sing that song, you know, five, six times. Right. And you really do get into this, this meditative, this purposefully meditative state, yeah. right? And this yeah. purposefully sort of like, um, you know, getting to a state where, where the words you're taking the words in in greater depth. They're like musical understand. mantras. Essentially. They're musical mantras. Right. And then you repeat them when you get home because now they're stuck in your head. So now yeah. you're in the shower and you're singing those words, right? And so what we meditate on, you know, has a huge impact on how we're shaped. Because And research yeah. is very clear about that, that, you know, that what you meditate on will will dramatically impact you. Yeah. So So we've got all of these songs that are meditations upon... Uh, problematic things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and to and to you know to change what people meditate on. And that's why I remember being on the subway. And what what became clear in that subway moment was nobody will know <laughs> like the huge seismic change that you're having if you yeah. do this, because yeah. these are these tiny you know moments in people's lives, but that have an utterly overwhelming impact on our our development and yeah. our perceptions of the world right? Yeah, right so so i am totally with you and and believe it or not i actually wrote a worship song i didn't love it but yeah. i did i did create one with a friend of mine and yeah. i should connect you to that friend because he has a project which is all about reworking um uh worship music oh, and awesome. Yeah, so he so he has been working with a number of artists to really do that, and and that's that is vital. Like yeah. we absolutely oh, yeah. need that. You have to relanguage things like that just so that you, especially when you're in a place to present it to other people, to be able to give somebody something that they can latch onto, where you're able to say, "Look, you don't have to come in here with this like discerning mind. Like you can fall into meditation because you're safe here." The, yeah. the, the God that we're that we're talking about and that we're worshiping loves you. We're not we're not speaking on things that have so much weight behind them. And and I think that's really important to be able to bring to people. Yeah, because yeah. because so much of worship is about it's it's about connecting to your deeper self and mm-hmm. almost losing that sense of having protection. having to hold that protection yeah. and. And that yes. social idea of of Christianity that people ten, tend to bring together in a church environment. Oh, that reminds me of what we discussed yesterday or two days ago. Shall I pull up our text? Yeah, I'm interested. Christian music isn't for God. It's for people who think they own God. Yeah, yep. And And that's something that we talked about earlier too when she was talking about how she felt like she had to leave God yeah. to leave Christianity. Like 
there there's this idea that conservative Christianity, because it's such a definitive faith, it's such a definitive religion that's very rigid and structured, yeah. that they feel like that their definition of God is the only one that counts. Right. And it's like, what what did you say? It's like they're singing about the God box that they created. Yeah. Reinforcing their control over how they perceive God. Yeah. And then it goes back to that meditating thing where it's like they're meditating over their own perception of who or what God is. Right. Which is, which is their right. It is all of our rights, I guess, to, to do that and to be able to, to sing about and think about and be about who, who or how we perceive God. But the problem is when ever people, Christians or, or other religions. Yeah say that nobody else gets to have their own their opinion. own they can't imagine or reimagine a bigger or different god right and and yeah and that's what makes that's what makes the christian god quote unquote so small right well i mean just like we were talking about a couple episodes ago tolerating intolerance right it's not we if extending grace for people to be able to define their own relationship with God and all of that is, is something that's totally good. Like everybody's allowed to have their own interpretation of who God is. Like God would not have created us to be human beings that form ideas of things and fill in the gaps. If we weren't meant to do that in some sort of capacity, because we are never going to be able to fully grasp what, how big God is, what God is. We weren't given, we weren't given a manual on what to know and expect of God, right? For an, an intentional reason, like if God is as powerful as so we think, as we think <laughs> it is, yeah. If it wanted to imbue us with that knowledge, it would have, right. And so the things that we do have, I think, are intentionally loose yeah. because we will, as human beings, seek out a relationship that fills in those gaps for us. Mm. Relationships within, within with the divine or with like, like within how we relate to the universe, other? how we relate to each other. Sure. Yeah. All of everybody, which yeah. is why I think religious freedom is important, which is why I say that we're spiritual beings, right? Everybody is inherently. Mm -hmm. I agree. We're all born spiritual. I believe through plenty of different uh, places of research and and things that I've listened to of people that have spent a lot of years studying it. (laughs) I think, I think everybody has access to God. Yeah. From birth. Yeah. I don't. And beyond. I, I don't, I don't think God fits into any box. I don't think God fits into Christianity. I don't think God fits into Islam, I don't think it fits into um, mm-hmm. Buddhism if that even counts as a religion. I don't, I don't you think know. so, but or Judaism or anything. Right, right. Yeah. I don't think God fits into a religion mm. intentionally, mm-hmm. but the fact that it creates divisiveness in us wasn't the point. Mm-mm. Nope. I agree. Wow. It's dangerous for us to, as we were to go back to what we were talking about before about the spectrum of, um, of worthiness and um, self, like the spectrum of like, I am, I am worth nothing and right. self-denial. And at the other end, I am worth everything and therefore self-obsession, right? right? Mm-hmm. You know, in the same way that we need to like find the 
<laughs> the middle, middle ground, ground there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, we we need to recognize that that other people, you know, live live within within mm-hmm. spectrums. Sure. You know, and and in this, you know, somebody who has done something horrific may have also absolutely been a hero. You know, mm-hmm. and right. so too, you know, we we have been. Um, we have done all of us things to hurt other people, and yeah. things to hurt ourselves. And we, you know, have all of us, I imagine, you know, made good choices, you know, t- loving choices toward self, loving choices toward others. Yeah. And, and, you know, as long as we, as long as we resist that, which is not just something that we find in evangelicalism, though that is very real in evangelicalism. Mm. But, you know, is, I mean, just look at how the media, like the media cannot hold complexity, right? right. Like, no. you know, and, and if anybody says anything complex and nuanced, you know, in a time in which people are in their camps, yeah. you know, like they, they won't, it won't actually be read as complexity nope. and nuance. It'll be read, you know, as, you know, people will shove it into one yeah. end of the binary or another, right? Right, right. I think... The thing with binaries in the world not existing in binaries is not so much, I don't want the message to come across that the best way to be is the thing in the middle right? and not the extremes. Because you can be, in a sense, an extreme. I'm, I'm thinking of the... I'm thinking of the masculine feminine energies sure. and the way you present and whatever, you know, one would present. Um, you know, if we all presented in a in a middle... I mean, that middle would certainly look different for everyone, depending sure. on their point of view and their perspective and their opinion and life experiences. So middle would look different for everyone. And then also, even if it didn't, then we'd all look middle. Like we would all look one way. Right. So I think I think the thing is with understanding that the world doesn't exist in binary is not imposing, not imposing or projecting onto anyone else what is essentially either your balance or your extreme. Yeah. Uh, bi- non-binary doesn't mean linear. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't mean that it just is a sliding scale. Right. I mean, we're talking way more than 3 dimensions here. We're not talking scale 1 to 10. Yeah, it's not masculine on the left side, feminine on the right, right. side. Middle is kind of where you want to hover. Yeah. I mean, like you even said, if everybody was even dead center, people's experiences put them change their vertical axis too on how they exactly. present in that middle space. So I yeah. don't So I, I just I, I don't I wanted to be clear. I don't know yeah. if that does come across in this in this section, but I wanted that to be clear yeah. that in a non-binary world the there, way we perceive is still yep. <laughs> like it's non-binary. It's still not shades. It's not white to black yeah. and gray in the middle. It's colors everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Thank you guys so much for listening to one more episode of us (laughs) listening to ourselves and listening back to such an incredible episode. Honestly, like we kind of went through the last three that had the most amount of listens because we wanted to know why we, we haven't had a chance to revisit them. So to be able to step back and say what, what information was packed into these podcasts that really, that really impacted people. And I, especially with this episode, like we didn't even really have anything to say. Yeah. I mean, it was it was clear that a lot of my own, you know, verbiage has kind of been um, constructed yeah. from this episode. Honestly, from, from the episodes we've covered. The one, the first one was purity culture with 
Ashley. And that was my first time ever talking about it. So right. I just, I didn't even know what to say. And then the second one with Madison, there was a lot of like kind of deconstructing and reconstructing my language around worship and Jesus and kind of like these pillars. Yeah. And this conversation with Linda was, I mean, happiness. I mean, that was with Madison as well, but like happiness and um, my relationship with God, again, be- based off of like purity culture and just right. like kind Talking of about relanguaging, relanguaging. Yeah. I, I feel like these again are, are more like pillars of our deconstruction, but then have propelled us forward into our reconstruction and being able to reclaim language and reclaim traditions and reclaim, um, yeah, just a lot of pieces that have meant a lot to us. Yeah. And this episode ended up becoming a little bit more of a highlight reel than a commentary, but I really encourage you to go listen to the full episode because there were only so many pieces that we could put in something like this. That's supposed to be more of a recap, but yeah, there's so much good stuff here. Mm. And Linda did an incredible job bringing conversation around the pieces of of education and and experience experience that really need to be talked about. Yeah. So, so yeah, we do recommend her book. Um if yeah. you haven't uh, gotten that, it's called Pure and it's really interesting. It's something you could take home with you and hear more from Linda. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys one more time for listening. And uh, until next time, bye. bye. If you liked this episode, please share, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, bye.